And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Smoking Tobacco Show. I am Matt Tobacco from SmokingTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my good friend, Mr. Jonathan M. Carney from La Flor Dominicana and Hacking Gourmet. And I am also joined once again by the beautiful Smoking Nicole. And tonight we have a very special guest with us. We have the amazing JT, bringing sexy back, not Justin Timberlake, the other JT. We have Jared Trudeau from Christoph Cigars. Jared, welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? How are you? It's uh, it's great. It's a beautiful day uh, here in New England. Uh, it looks like it's a beautiful day down there in Texas as well. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, smoking cigars and talking cigars and shooting the shit. That's what we do every week, right? Yep. John, how you doing up there in, uh, up there in the sticks, huh? I, I just got back to the sticks, and I, uh, I was down in New Hampshire just overnight, and I drove back today, and I got back... It's 7.02. That's why we're running a little bit behind. But we're here. I got a soap review lined up for us today. We got uh, Dr. Squatch coming back with the Mars Bar. I've been talking about this for a week, so we got that going on. And we've got a good friend. Uh, I, I have a hard time not saying Justin Trudeau, even for even though I've known you now for like 10 years. But uh, <laughs> we do have Jared from Kristoff, which we're really excited about. Um, I know you uh, You guys got a lot of unique things going on. You like you have a great perspective on the industry, so we're excited to have you on the show. Oh, glad to be on, John. Glad to be on. So I, I guess what we're going to have to ask is, I had a pissed-off Kristoff firecracker, and oh, I, I thought great. I had it downstairs in my humidor, which I did. Um, however, I was up here in February, and I smoked it. I remember I went back to my phone and looked at the picture. I smoked it in February. And I should have had the foresight to know that I needed to have my Kristoff down there for tonight's show. So I'm not smoking a Kristoff tonight, and I apologize. Um, I'm smoking a Cameroon cabinet. Um, what, what are you smoking? What, what is your cigar choice? You, now, you have a cigar named after yourself now. Yeah, that's actually that that's regularly? what I'm smoking. Yeah, that's what I'm smoking now. It, uh, it's the JT Signature. Um, and that's a project that I worked on for a couple of years. Um, you know, any, anybody that knows me knows I probably have the wrong accent to be blending cigars. Um, it's not, it's not something I grew up in my, you know, my dad didn't ride a donkey to school or anything like that. So I, <laughs> I, it's not my forte and I am the first one to not go on the internet and proclaim to be some sort of master blender or something like that. That is not that is not me. But Glenn, uh, it, it was funny. We were at the trade show in, I think, 2018. And uh, our the, the guy who runs our factory, Rolando Villamil, who has been in the industry for our 60 years or something like that, um, he came, came to the trade show this year, and he literally had a Ziploc like, lunch bag with three cigars in it. And he was like, Maho, I want you to try this. And so I lit it up and smoked it, and it was just a like a like – a, like a like a fuma like it was like just a blending cigar um but it had this hva wrapper on it which i really really loved oh, and wow. i and i i uh yep that's the one i'm gonna smoke the bands this. on it and everything i'm gonna smoke this one tonight sorry continue <laughs> yeah yeah so um so i really loved the wrapper and glenn was kind of like why don't you do something with it and I'm like, I just did. I smoked it. Like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, and he's like, and he's like, well, see if you want to get in. 
it's going to take me a while because I really don't know what I'm doing when it comes to blending. I know a lot about tobacco. I've been in the tobacco business for almost 10 years. I've been adjacent to it, but I've never done what, you know, I've never lived there. I've never worked in the factories. I've never, I, I have no experience around that stuff. So if anything, it was a great technical exercise for me to kind of figure out what, what works and, and, and how to do it. So it took me two years. That's how little I knew about doing this. And it took me two years. And finally we came and finally we came out with it in a, and it, it was going to be a sort of like a, an event oriented skew. So it was going to be like, uh, you know, shops that I have a good personal relationship with. If you're, you know, Bob's Bumfuck Tobacco in the middle of nowhere, you're not, you know, you're not going to have any familiarity with me. I've never met you know me. Accounts that do know me that I've done events at, that I have a good personal relationship. They were, uh, they were going to be able to carry the cigars after doing an event with me to launch it. And then we ran into the buzzsaw of COVID and I was not going to fly all around the country infecting the entire world. So I, so I, I decided, you know, I asked the reps, you know, kind of who do I like, you know, which, which of who do I like in your territory? And, and, and uh, we put together a list of uh, the accounts that I had good personal relationships with that I liked. And, uh, those guys, those guys got the opportunity to carry the cigar. And now, now that things are loosening up a little bit, maybe I'll be able to fly around and do some more launch events and stuff like that. But Corona really put the brakes on the plan of having it be like an event thing. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the story. And like the band has the Red Sox colors for the foot band with the, my initials on it and stuff. So there are some throwbacks to my roots in New England and things like that. They really let me do what I wanted with it. And so it, it was a really cool opportunity. And, you know, for anyone watching at home, if they were interested in buying this cigar, according to twoguyscigars.com, uh, the JT Signature Toro is six and a quarter by 54 with an Ecuador Habano wrapper, and it retails for $9.69 per cigar. Um, if you head over to twoguyscigars.com, you, you can find them there as well as many other Kristoff cigars uh, from the from the from the collection, one of my other favorites that's on there is the uh, Nicole's actually smoking. Yep. Is the uh, Shade Grown Robusto, which is a great cigar, fantastic cigar. Yep. Um. So yeah, head over there and check out Christoph Cigars and, and order some today. It's honestly, I, I, you know, Christoph's been one of those brands that it was one of the first brands I smoked, and it's a brand that I've been smoking since almost the beginning. And I, I've loved it. And I, the rep for our area used to be John Fozzie. Um, and now it's and now it's Heather. Um, but when John was in the area, I remember I used to when these came out, I would I would hound him for him. I'm like, John, where are those JTs? Like those are fantastic. Um, and he's like, ah, it's an event only. You gotta buy a box and all that. And I'd always like buy boxes just so I could get you know the four pack of jt's and then i remember <laughs> he finally told me he's like hey they're going to be in a box now you can you can just buy them i'm like oh thank god um they are also rolled n2 bar i believe right jared yeah everything that comes out of our factory is except for the machine made stuff or the uh the mix filler stuff the uh one thing i noticed about christoph is almost every cigar usually has i say usually because I, I might there might be a few that are not but almost every Kristoff cigar always seems to have the pigtail cap and the shaggy foot. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's a signature touch 
on the Christoph brand. I, I actually like it. I like when a cigar has that closed or the shaggy foot with the, with the extra wrapper over the end. You know, you first light it, you get a real mouthful of that wrapper right up right up front, which, I, you know, not a lot of cigars are. Most of them are that clean-cut foot. Um, and it's nice because you get a little you get a little extra sampling of that wrapper before you really start to get into the meat of the cigar. And uh, it's it's always been a nice touch on, on your cigars. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's kind of like early early on, and even now to this day, kind of, um, you know, you walk into a humidor and there's 800 facings of dead plants in a tube for ten dollars, right? And it's like, how do you stick out? How do you how do you differentiate yourself from the other cigars <clears throat> in the humidor? And 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 early on during the cigar boom, when we when we were getting started, it was it was either like crazy packaging. Like, I don't know if you remember, there was that like CAO vision or whatever, Ambrosia that had the backlit box and everything that, like that. That was, with it. that was the CAO vision. And coincidentally, they just brought that back. Oh, did they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's funny Digging to because like that was always Digging one deep. of the examples. Yeah, it was backlit. It, 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 and it wasn't particularly well backlit. To be honest with no, you, it was, it was like it was just a dull glow, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. A, but it was weird enough to where people were like, "What the fuck is this?" And it was a, it looked like a spaceship, you know, the box and everything, the white box. So it was really you, you really wanted to differentiate yourself, and 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 packaging. Could you do the elaborate giant like Gurkha treasure chests and shit like that? Yeah, you could do that, but we wanted to do something different. So um, we did the uh, uncut foot. We did the fuma, the the, the pigtail. We did the uh, we did the the uncut tobacco around the the around the uh, the bundle in the middle of this of the box and the rough cut cedar boxes. Um, and and it really set us apart early on when you're trying to you know try to create some sort of branding for yourself out of nowhere. And uh, and now at this point, you know, we've been around long enough to where we have the brand presence in the market where you know, maybe we could do away with the loose tobacco or something like that. And, but, uh, we, we, we like it. We like the way it's packaged and it does add to the blend, you know, like if you're a golfer grabbing, I always forget a cutter and everything and you're picking the top off a cigar. And if you do it like a little bit wrong, then all of a sudden the cigar, the wrapper unfolds and you're fighting with it. The rest of well, with the pigtail, you can just kind of snap it off and it's kind of like cut, you know? Uh, so it, it still works. It still works for us. Yeah, I always was a fan of the packaging too. It, like you said, it set you guys apart. It made it was different. It had I like you talked about the rough cut, the cedar boxes. It gave it a real rustic feel. You know, in the cigar industry, I feel is is an industry where you know cigars, you know, being you know especially the premium cigars, being looked upon as like a, a luxury item. And you guys still delivered that luxury cigar, but you did it without trying to look so high and polished like so many other boxes on shelves um it, it makes you kind of stop and go oh, who, well who's this guy and then you, know, you guys have the shelf talkers on the box too with the information and it, it's a really nice when you go into a cigar shop that carries christoph and you see the you know the line presented it, it, it's a nice presentation um you know and so visually it does look good but you know obviously the cigars taste good as well um but yeah i think you guys have done a really good job with that and like i said i've been smoking christoph cigars you know since the beginning and one of the things that always got me with them is they're consistent you know and that's and that's that that's key uh with any cigar really i mean they've always been good quality draw well flavors are always good 
Um, you know, I don't think I've had one that I really didn't like. Uh, like I said, the JT's a favorite, probably the Shea Grown a second favorite. The Pissed Off I enjoy, but as we were talking about before, that, that packs a lot of nicotine, so I, I'm, I'm cautious when I smoke it. I only smoke it when I'm when I know like hey like I can take this much nicotine right now. But it, like you said, uh, we were talking a little bit about this before. You know the the, the pissed off is a, is a cool cigar because as strong as it is, it doesn't taste like a strong cigar. It's not overly bitter harsh, um, but that strength will sneak up on you. Um, and you know John was talking about the the firecracker earlier, and I remember when those came out. It, it, such a little cigar, but it, I think out of all the firecrackers that have been made so far, I mean, I, I haven't smoked all of them. I've tried to get my hands on most of them, um, but that, that's got to be up there with the strongest. I mean, even that little firecracker in the pissed off blend was like, that one really yeah, blew me away. Yeah. No, that's the cigar you have after you have a, a carny meal. Oh, you absolutely. Have a, you have a, a, a carny steak and, uh, or a hacking gourmet meal, and then you can get down a pissed off without getting lightheaded or anything like that. There were two, there were two of the firecrackers that really kicked my ass. One was the pissed off Kristoff and the other was the yellow fee one. And they were strong to the point where like, I don't know how you were when you were approached with the, the firecracker concept, we were told to make the strongest cigars you could possibly make. Right. So I remember the strength for me with the pissed off Kristoff firecracker was the same concept that I, I was saying experience I had with the LT one where like I felt it in the back of my throat. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like you'd feel it in your throat. You take a puff and it was like, man, like you, you, you really felt the strength. Like you're, um, like you're swimming it. Like, like yeah. it's like, it's not smoke. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a thick, it's a thick boy. That one, yeah. It gets after you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, and I remember when it came out, I picked some up. And I smoked it. I'm like, oh, this is. I'm like, oh, this would be cool. Something a little different, whatever. And I smoked it. I'm like, wow, that thing's really strong. And it's the same feeling right in the back of my throat. So that's how I judge the yeah. strength. Is where, where it's like, where on your palate do you feel the strength? I, I feel it on my tonsils. Yeah, yeah. This is hitting that punching bag thing, and I and I yeah, it's chewy. But I smoke a lot. Of, I smoke a lot more mild stuff lately. Um, I, I my palate has really gravitated towards mild, medium over the years and, and that's kind of where i live now like like you're smoking the cameroon i love that cigar um and and that's kind of my palate that mild medium kind of cedar spicy toasty kind of profile that's what i like i'm not trying to get my ass kicked i'm sitting out here game of thrones on my projector and i'm not trying to stand up and fall into a hole in my yard or something like that you know it's <laughs> uh this you know it's interesting because you, you go around a lot of retailers and you spend a lot of time with consumers, and generally the real full-bodied smokers are the guys or the ladies that are sitting down to smoke. You know, so if they ask, yeah. us, like, what do you smoke when you're on the road? I'm like, I don't smoke full-bodied cigars because after I'm done, I need to take a nap or I need to relax. I mean, I, I you're in a shop for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. If you're smoking your strongest Kristoff every time, I mean, you got to get up and around and do things. I mean, it's just a reality. It does have an effect. Uh, you know, and, and it's made to really relax you at the same time. So those stronger cigars, it's always the person sitting down like, oh, man, I, I smoke six, I sm uh, smoke six, eight and a half by 60 uh, Kristoffs every day. 
uh, the pissed off line, and uh, you know, and, and you know, I sit him right here and smoke. You know, you're sitting down enjoying that. Uh, you know, I, I have to get up. Right. You're also retired. Car. I have to yeah. go to the bathroom occasionally and stuff. I'm not trying to <laughs> stumble around. Yeah. I, I And, you know, start off a five-hour event with a pissed off or something like that, and you're, you know, you're not going to be particularly friendly throughout the rest of the event because you're just thinking about, you're checking your watch every five minutes trying to get out of there because you're tired, you know? I remember when John did the, um, the gourmet smoke session. Was that November? When we were up at two guys when you did that one? September. September. It was the Tomahawk night. When you did the Tomahawks. And I remember I, I walked into the shop, and this was you know way before the event. And I said, all right, I'm going to smoke LFD. Uh, it's an LFD night. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and, there's a lot of good, and there's a lot of good options. And I, there's a lot of cigars from LFD I smoke. But for some reason, I just had it in my head, like, you know what? Tonight's a digger night. And I remember grabbing a digger and being like, this is what I'm smoking tonight. And I smoked it. And that cigar, for those who don't know. That'll last you to the ride home. John, what the dimensions on the digger for me really quick. It's eight and a half by 60. Yeah. So, I mean, you can imagine. I mean, that cigar lasted me like four hours. And by the time I was <laughs> done with it. It's called value. <laughs> you, walked up, you walked upstairs. You walked upstairs. I was like, really? I'm like, you're going to go this heavy? You're like, well, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's a special night. And I wanted something big. I was like, I'm like, you didn't have to go that hard. But I don't know. Do you, do you, with Christoph, what are, you, are your big ring gauge cigars king for you guys as well? Because it seems you're a niche market product. You know, you're not, you're not the biggest, you're not the smallest. You guys are nice, medium sized, I would say, a traditional boutique style. Um, you know, brand, you know, is, is it, does that carry the same weight? Is it the same thing you see with these other ones where it's big ring gauges or king for you guys? Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, best selling sizes tend to be either the matador or the six by 60 of pretty much every, and the matador is like kind of our version of like a Toro ish. It's uh six and a half by 56. And so it's a little bigger than a Toro, a little longer than a Toro, but um, it's, yeah, I mean, people tend to gravitate towards, and I think that's probably because the majority of the cigars that we're really like known for are Maduro. They're all heavier bodied stuff, and I think the heavier bodied guys tend to like the bigger ring gauge stuff. Um, in in my experience, so um, yeah, I think it's kind of one thing leads to the other, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we 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 do well with robustos and stuff like that. But I'm I'm. Nobody's banging down the doors for a pissed off Lancero or something like that, you know. It's, it's. Although that would probably be good. You guys don't. Uh, make, actually, you, sounds kind of like a good idea. Yeah, you guys yeah, don't make. Yeah. You, you we, don't make Lanceros, do you? We make eight. We make eight Lanceros. Oh, oh, you do. Um, okay. In, yeah, yeah. So we have them in uh, eight different lines, and again, it's a size that, like, you know, if you see it and you're like in the right mood and you had the right lunch, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And then, but then, like on a regular day, you grab a robusto, right? Like most of the time, or a toro, or something like that. Yeah. So there are some lancero smokers that are like that's like a cult in and of itself. That they're like that's what they like, that's what they're into. It's like the hipster size, um, but like uh, <laughs> that's the, the, the majority, that's of, the majority, yeah, the majority of smokers, I think, gravitate towards the more traditional ring gauges. See, for me, like 
it's funny. I'm 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 like a big Lancero guy, and I know that Lancero is like a almost looked upon as like the redheaded stepchild of all the cigar sizes by a lot of manufacturers. Um, but like as much as I love, we love I, it. We love it. We love smoking it. They just don't fucking sell. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, but. So. I, like, I, I like big ring gauge cigars too. Like I like I can go with a digger here and there, and I, I smoke a lot of sixty ring or fifty six fifty four fifty six, um, but just as much as I love the big cigars, I also love Lanceros. But at the same time, I'm not a huge like Robusto fan or like a Corona fan. It's either like skinny Lancero but long, or it's just all big cigars. Um, yeah. I, I think they're fun. I think that if they're blended right, they can be good. Um, and Lanceros are they're a fun time i just wish they i don't know why i just i, I wish, love I wish, and i think i wish people bought them more man, you know they yeah make, man, manufacturers them. <laughs> love them you know we as smokers like them i think but it's just you know they i mean they 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 sell but they're just like they don't sell anywhere near the levels that like a robusto toro six by 60 would sell right well, well the challenge with lanceros is i mean we just talked about how you know you guys talk about how you like them. i don't know how many lanceros do you smoke a week like none so yeah so we we love them and stuff but we don't smoke a lot of them so then you yeah. tend to have you tend to have a retail shop and if you have somebody that really enjoys lanceros they may smoke you know one or two a month Excuse me, sorry. Sneezing. Wow. The Paul, by the way, Paulin, Paulin up here is out of control. Up in Maine, it's just out of control. But anyway, so what happens is with Lancero, someone wants a Lancero, they said, oh, I'm a Lancero smoker, so bring a box in and I'll buy them. So they buy one every once in a while, right? So they maybe smoke one or two a month. Well, guess what? Yeah. They smoke one or two cigars a month from a Lancero box. It takes two years to sell that box. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah. It just takes longer time. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, but if you have a bunch of people like that, you know, you have size, and that's why we all make Lanceros because there is a place for it. But that, you know, nine times out of, I would say more than nine times out of ten, you walk into the store, the Lancero, it's there. Somebody asks for it, and then it's it's there every time you go in, and it's one or two gone each time you walk in. Yeah, yeah, and they'll have your Lancero, and then the next time they feel like a Lancero, they'll have somebody else's. And but before you know it, you're decorating the humidor with a full box of cigars. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's you know that's not what anybody's trying to do. So <clears throat> we have a couple of things tonight. We're gonna get to our news segment in just a few moments. Um, we got sports to talk about. And uh, Jared, you being a New England guy, I, I'm pretty sure I know where you where you fall on that. So this is gonna be a really good show. Um, the uh sorry there's an instacart order and the lady's in the driveway and she's like hello can i bring it in i'm like we're doing a show you gotta go to the front door um so we sorry we also have a soap review now john i know it's not time for the soap review but i know a lot of people know about the soap review um so i, I like to tease that uh, i don't want to get into it but we're excited for that as always i'm really here for that yeah, I mean, most people, Jared, is look. This is the thing. People come to this show. That's how we get the yeah. guests. Because they wanna, they they wanna yeah. talk to me and Nicole and John's entertaining, and then you get to the soap part, and they're like, okay, this is why I'm here. I mean, I I, I think I, that I, was disparaging, John. I really do. I would. Be, I think that was a disparaging tone. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm here for the entertainment. Uh, <laughs> right, like you're some sort of symbol monkey. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. One of my monkeys standing on a box. Yeah, jeez, yeah. Yeah. Can you do a trick? Uh, You know, (laughs) the the reviews have been good. We've been ramping them up here. We did do a live one from the airport uh, about a week or so ago now. But, no, I'm excited about today's. You know, I I showed the soap earlier. Um, It's very strong, so it's going to be a good review. I think think this one's going to be – we've got a lot of potential with that. But um, back to the cigar side of things. So obviously it's been a challenging year in terms of like the normal, um, even now that just a normal travel. And I think as an industry, you know, you're probably not going to be back to uh, on the on the road every single day of the week like we all used to be. But really, what's been the biggest transition for you over the last year and a half? And what's been the most positive thing that's come out of this for you? Um, well, I think I think me being able to be home more kind of showed me how much better at my job I am when I can do it. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, I, I actually have time now to, cause before I was traveling like you, like 110 flights a year, you know, 200 something hotels a year. It's international stuff too. Like it, it was, it was a real grind and I would get home from a, say I fly out on a Tuesday, get home on a Friday. Well, I fly out again the next Tuesday. So I've got Saturday, Sunday, Monday to catch up on a whole week's worth of shit that I have to do. And so it was like, now I really have time to sit here and think about like what we can, what we can be doing. So that was kind of a positive thing, but, but adjusting to not traveling was difficult uh, because um, I've never really not traveled, you know, since I've been in the cigar industry and even a little bit before, like I was always traveling for work. And so being at home and trying to find shit to do has been has been difficult. And I ended up getting into the weeds with like, you know, these really innocuous things like patio furniture, like researching for hours patio furniture on YouTube. I'm watching YouTube reviews of a fucking chair. It's like, <laughs> what are we what are we doing here, guys? And 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 then uh, like home audio and new furniture for the house and mattresses and all this stuff. So I ran out of things to be in the weeds on. And then it's like you sit down in your nice patio chair and turn on your new TV. And then you're like, all right, now, now what do I do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, that was a challenge, like trying to figure out how to um, spend my downtime because usually it's going out for dinner, going out for drinks, things like that. But being able to work during the day was good. And then I think that probably the most positive takeaway and also the biggest challenge for us over the last year was, you know, how do you keep the sales force engaged? You know, I have, you know, nine different reps around the country and and plus distributors in 33 other countries. And it's like when you're not traveling with them and you're not working with them on a daily basis and communicating as much, it's how, how do you keep them engaged in solving the problems the way that they really kind of have to get solved? You know, because COVID was not one of those situations where we can throw out a deal and say, you know what would really help you through this global pandemic? Buying more cigars from us. <laughs> you know, like that's that's just, I think, like intellectually dishonest. Like, I just think it was a, it's a silly way to go about it. So like we, we were trying to get the rep. So what I started doing was we did two Zoom calls a week with our whole sales team where we focused not on, you know, where your number's at, like a normal sales meeting kind of thing. It was, you know, what are you seeing out there? It was education, talking about customer selling, um, product stuff. So what gaps do we have? What issues have you experienced that we can tackle now that we have the time? Um, 
and then so we did this education series and then we started inviting retailers on it uh like good retailers that are strong contributors to the industry um and they would come on and we'd ask them questions and kind of get their feedback on what we could do different and what was going on so we really took the downtime and, and we had all this extra bandwidth available to us all at once and we're like what can we do to 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 get better out of this and then i i think the other thing that that we did that was that was i i think really good was um given we had this downtime and the reps weren't traveling as much and st or at all really um for months and months i kind of asked the reps like look what are you good at that you like doing that you aren't doing for us and they were like what kind of like what do you mean and and i was like what do you like what do you what do you like and one guy was like oh i like photography and i'm like oh well why don't you do new product pictures for the website and start helping us with social. And the other guy was like, oh, I really like social media. And I was like, all right, well then you run our social media now. Have at it, see how we can grow. You know, and, and cause I fucking don't like it. So it was like, so it was like, so it was like uh, one, of them, one of them, Heather, she was like, she said she ha always had an interest in copywriting. So I'm like, oh, when we do press releases and newsletters and stuff like that, why don't you uh, do the copy for it? And she was like, oh, awesome. Like, and so, we got the reps really, one of them was engaged on the legislative front and they wanted to co co uh, collaborate with PCA a little bit more. And he did like a Zoom info session with uh, people in his territory and stuff like that. So um, it was really cool because we got to find out what our reps were passionate about that they weren't doing independently of the cigar business. And we got to use up some of that bandwidth that they had towards the end of furthering kind of the company goals. Um, and, and getting really great work out of it too, because they were doing something they were interested in on top of their job. So I think we, you know, turned chicken shit into chicken salad th throughout the whole thing, um, and and kind of move forward the right way. So it was a challenge for sure, but but I think I think the team handled it really well. Well, it sounds like you guys really handled that really efficiently, and you're real productive with that time. Um, it's a really interesting take, and we we asked. We usually ask how how has the pandemic affected your your company, your business, you know, what are the retailers, you know, saying to you, what's the feedback? Are they selling more, are they selling less of your stuff? You know, what have you guys done? Has there been production, you know, limitations and all that stuff? But it sounds to me like <clears throat> you know, you guys really use the time to kind of think outside the box a little bit um, and find, you know, like you were saying, those other strengths that maybe you guys weren't utilizing but are there. There are tools that you can use. Your reps are already there. You know, it's like, well, what else can you do for us? Um, you know, being creative. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of companies, you know, we've had on the show who've used this time. I mean, even look at John, what John's done, you know, with, you know, Hacking Gourmet and with, LFD. I mean, with the with the gourmet smoke sessions. I mean, that's something that he didn't do before. And now there's, you know, okay, well, we're gonna do an in-store event. That's that's a cigar event, but it's also this other event too that really has nothing to do with cigars, but it pairs well together. Um, and that's and that's, you know, that's another new thing that you know they have done to innovate too. So there's a lot of cool things that a lot of manufacturers have done. And it's interesting to see. I mean you, you touched on social media a little bit. There's a lot of companies that really didn't have a strong social media presence or interaction before and now you're seeing manufacturers really step up their game with social media, Facebook, Instagram. You see companies come up with YouTube channels. I know like Perdomo was one of those companies where they were like, we gotta get our own uh, like YouTube channel and they just they started just making content on YouTube and uh, you know the, the guys are you know you know um, 
Jose Blanco and, and Jeremiah, they started that Meet the Professor show, you know. And so, you know, the Fuentes, you know, they, they, they started a show. And then, you know, j j everyone kind of did something different, but it was all kind of similar. And it was it was these new innovations that, you know, were, okay, well, how do we think outside the box? You know, we're not really doing in-store, you know, cigar events and shops and traveling around. Uh, but, they're, but they're highly effective. And a lot of the feedback that I have heard is that all these things that everyone has kind of thought outside the box with to kind of change their game a little bit is that, you know, especially when it came to like the virtual events, the digital stuff, they were seeing better results with that than they were with the in-store events, you know, prior to the pandemic. And so now it's like as people start to go somewhat back to their normal lives now as, as everything starts to kind of return to somewhat of a a pre-COVID world. You're seeing in-store events happening, but you're also seeing them keep that online virtualness and the social media in, kind of working in tandem now with the in-person events. And I think that that's, that's a great innovation for the industry. Yeah, I mean, events were, events were stale. And the one thing that COVID did with the interaction with them, it created a new dynamic for the premium cigar industry i mean people were interacting in different ways there was creativity um so it really changed the you know changed how you're going to manage and how you do events going forward uh, you know all of the stuff that we're doing is it has a virtual broadcast with it so that's always going to stay there um but you know if we all were to go back to what we were doing before that would be stale because the expectation is so much higher now um so i think it's been a great thing for the consumer and it's been really unique in this industry um to have that opportunity i haven't seen anything like that in any other business where every night there's like a zoom room and people are hanging out in the <laughs> lounge you know that's just not yeah. going on um so it's really fun to watch that and it's really changed the dynamics that you're going to see on the road too and i think you probably agree yeah for for sure for sure and and it's like classic consumer behavior right like where do you go to get your information about products and and if it's shifting from it's if it's shifting to social media um, from whatever magazines or talking to your buddies in a lounge or something like that. Now the world gets so much smaller and so many people get to hear about great products and new products and they get to hear about it in a much deeper, more qualified sort of way than if you heard it secondhand, like, oh, you know, I smoked this Kristoff the other day and it was really good. It's like, all right, well, how's that guy going to act on that? He doesn't even know what it was, you know? Whereas if you're doing a podcast with me or if you're doing a podcast with John about LFD or something like that, and John says, hey, I really love this cab uh, Cameroon cabinet. And they're like, oh, okay, write down on their phone, Cameroon cabinet. And they go next time they go to the retailer, they can grab it and try it because they heard somebody talk about it and explain it. So um, as more people come to social media, uh, the stuff that you guys are doing is going to become much more important to the industry. And I think that the industry needed, like you said, events were stale. And the industry needed um, a kick towards the 21st century, you know? So... Um, I, I think uh, this represents a really good positive move in that direction. And we'll get better, too. We'll get better at it, all of us. Uh, and the content will continue to improve. Not to really change the subject or change gears here, but I do want to hit our news segment uh, sooner rather than later. Um, our news segment is brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. McAuliffe Cigars, become an ambassador today. If you head to McAuliffeCigars.com, you can sign up to be an ambassador and get your tasting passport. Um taste through the line and submit that passport pack back in and you can win some cool stuff from McAuliffe just for being an ambassador and you can get your coin like all of us and you can become an amb McAuliffe ambassador with your McAuliffe ambassador coin 
Um, despite what John might tell you, they, they do come. Um, they don't get lost in the mail. They're usually about <laughs> two or three weeks out. Some people get them much longer, but... You know what can I say? Should happen. Uh, it was it was entirely it was entirely <laughs> intentional at this point. I just determined it was entirely. It had to have been intentional to make you wait a month and a half. Are you sure it wasn't the I mean, postal was just, service? No, I mean, let's be real. no, no. I think it was. No, I think I, mean, I think like Andy the like this. John it. I think you can see what I've never. I did their show. I did their show, and I applied to be in the group that my show was going to be on. And they were like, could you just please answer these questions and do all this stuff? And I'm like, the, the answer to the questions is I have to be in this fucking group. Okay? <laughs> like, I, I'm literally doing a podcast on this group tonight, so I'd really like to be in. That is the answer. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll, get, we'll let you in. I'm like, I don't want to do this Illuminati secret survey to try to get into this group. I'm doing this show, guys. It's pretty important that I can do it. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a coin carrying, uh, you know, ambassador member. I'm very proud and I, ha I do have my coin and, uh, you know, them making me wait for it made it even more special to me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's right on your nightstand. Good things come to those who wait. Um, I, I an interesting one, uh, rolled across my newsfeed today. Um, and I, I said, oh, well, we got to bring this up. I, I like getting John's opinion on a lot of this stuff too, because I know John has a really good insight. Uh, North Carolina tax proposal would charge tobacco tax for online sales uh, and introduce tax cap for cigars. So in, in North Carolina, um, there's some legislation that's going through the state right now that would potentially begin to charge sales tax for online cigars, uh, online cigar sales. Um, you know, as we continue to see more tax attack, as I like to call it, on the cigar industry. Um you know, John, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you see this? You know, the beginning of of more broader cigar tax for online cigar sales. Well, the, the unique thing with this with the North Carolina situation was they're lowering the tax rate and essentially with a cap, so a thirty cent cap. So it's going to lower the price of cigars in the state, and then you're going to they're going to charge tax of the products coming in so it'll even the playing field there the only thing that i'm concerned about which is what happened in maryland i believe like over the last few years yeah. is maryland did the same thing they they brought the tax down they had this tax cap they told people that uh you know that they were it was good for them and they were going to start charging you know they were going to try to start charging taxes or whatever so essentially they outlawed the shipping of, of cigars into the state and then as soon as that was outlawed the retailers were excited and then they raised the tax Right. Um, so the one thing that I'm, you know, I'm concerned about there is, um, you know, at least this way they're gonna they're gonna charge the tax and not outlawing products being shipped into the state, so that'll be good. Uh, but I'm always wary of government and taxes. Period. Um, when given the chance, there's a, you know, they're, they're always gonna come after uh, expendable income and premium cigars <laughs> and tobacco are a place where it's expendable income. So um, I'm always wary of that. But it seems like a good situation and. It could be a positive one for them, and you know, um, it, if it's if if it makes it the playing field more even, then I, I think it's a good situation for the state. But I just would advise to be careful, and I just worry that once they do that, then they'll start raising the taxes to an you know an oppressive level in the future, and then you know there's no way around it other than like smuggling cigars and uh, cross state lines. Yeah, you know, the online cigar sales thing has been a, a topic of conversation in the last couple of years, you know, is, is it in, is it endangered? Will it go away? You know, 
Uh, now we're seeing, okay, the introduction of online tax for online sales. And you're right. It's like, okay, it, it looks okay right now. But, you know, they get it in the door with a low tax rate. Now they got it. Now it's like, well, that's already here now. Oh, by the way, four years later. Oh, by the way, uh, we're going to raise it up, you know, 30% now. You know, and then it becomes, you know, you can't. You can't get around it in state, you know, uh, in store, in person. You go try to order online, and everything that comes in, you know, is being taxed. And you're right; it's, it, it comes down to what you got to smuggle your smuggle your shit in. Um, it, it's that that I would agree. That's the same concern I have, and I, I see that being a threat. And maybe that doesn't happen in North Carolina, but I see some states where that definitely will be a reality. Uh, and it's unfortunate, and it sucks because it's just a bunch of BS, and it. You know, once again, it's it's the attack on the cigar industry. It's a it's a it's not a only tax is it attack. yeah it's a tax <laughs> attack, but it's also it, it doesn't just hurt the consumers though. I mean, it, it definitely does, and it's a huge deal. But it hurts the manufacturers too because then you start to lose you lose a customer base. You know, it hits the retailers, and then the retailers stop ordering from the manufacturers, and then the manufacturers are making less. It has a ripple effect, and, and it's it's it, and then it gets industry wide, and it's no good for anybody. Um, and you know, once again, it's it's the ignorance, it's the ignorance of you know a lot of people who try to throw their blanket of, I don't know everything about this, but I'm going to tell you what to do about it anyway. Um, and it, in you know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, but that's my take on it. Um, on that note. Yeah. On that note, Nicole, what do you got for us? Yeah, so we have some audience questions um, for Jared, so we're going to switch over to that. So we have um, a question from Jeff Batchelor, who says he doesn't know much about the brand, but has smoked a handful of them. Um, how did uh, Christoph come to be? Um, so we've been around for like 15 years. Um, and originally, Glenn, uh, Glenn Case, who's the owner of Christoph, and his wife, Terry, um, and her father, Vince Duran, were uh, cigar brokers in the uh, Chicagoland market. Uh, and this was during the cigar boom. And, and for anyone that's watching that doesn't know about the cigar boom, it was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And it was like when you used to be able to walk into a cigar store as a broker, and it wouldn't be like it is now, where John and I walk into a store and you know, we're positioning the product and trying to explain. My SWAT team of landscapers has just showed up. That's why I relocated. I figured I should at least explain that. So if you hear machines in the background, that's what it is. So, um, but uh, yeah, so so you walk into a store and instead of being like, this is what we have, you know, we think it would do well. It does well at other shops in the area, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you would walk in and they'd be like, what can you sell us? And you would be like, I have this, I have this, I have this. And you'd be, and you, you, you know, you sell it. And so uh, people were going nuts. Cigars were going nuts. It was, you know, you could walk into a store and buy money makers for the longest time, you know, but you couldn't buy any half of the brands that are on the market now. And so as these brands started to come up, they needed people to sell them. And so we, we sold them. So Glenn, Glenn and Terry and Vince uh, sold them in that Chicagoland market. And then um, eventually what would happen is you would, as a broker, you would build a brand, build a brand, build the brand until the brand was big enough in that territory to where they could hire somebody as an in-house sales rep that just works for them. So uh, then they would be like, hey, Glenn, Terry, you did a great job building this brand. Now you're fired. And you'd be like, oh, shit. You just, it just kept happening kind of like that. 
And uh, eventually Glenn got sick of it and he was like, I don't know why I keep doing this for other people. Why don't we do it for ourselves? And so he uh, met with Rolando Villamil, who runs the factory for us to this day. Um, and Villamil wanted him to sell their cigar that his factory was making in the United States. And Glenn was like, I don't want to do that. I want to make my own. And VMO was like, okay, let's do it. So uh, Glenn flew to the Dominican Republic. And we, the first thing we came out with was a cigar called The Vengeance. We actually didn't make it at that factory. We made it at the Rocky Patel factory. And uh, it, uh, we couldn't give it away. It was a good cigar, uh, but it got like, whatever, an 86 in Cigar Aficionado, which is like three middle fingers from them. And then it just, we, it just never, it just never took off. Right. And so, um, we came out with another cigar, which had a sweet tip called Britannia, which was named after Glenn's daughter. And that cigar didn't do particularly well either. And et cetera, et cetera. So we were kind of spinning our wheels. And then Glenn's son's name is Christopher. And, uh, so he came up with a cigar called the Christoph and it was our original Criollo. It was, uh, with a pigtail and the uncut foot, a rough cut box, loose tobacco in the box. And then, all of a sudden, that went nuts. And then we came out with Christoph Maduro and then Lajero Criollo, Lajero Maduro, blah, blah, blah. And, that, and so it kind of extended from there. Um, and then I got hired uh, maybe like almost 10 years ago. Um, and uh, Glenn and I met at a cigar event at the Humidor in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, uh, which that, that location isn't there anymore, but the shop is still there. And they've been around for like 60 years, Jana and Donna and her family. Um, and, uh, we met at a cigar event, um, and Glenn was doing a Christoph event, you know? And so we went, uh, so my dad invited me, told me about the event. We went together and there were like a hundred and something guys at this event. And it just so happened. I was at the lounge the night before and there was a magazine, like a cigar journal or something. And it had a whole article on Christoph. So I read the article to figure out what was going on. I show up to the event, Glenn gets up and he starts doing cigar trivia. And he's like, you know, I'll give you a cigar for every question that you get right. And out of a hundred and something guys there, I'm the only one who fucking studied for this event. <laughs> and so for this quiz that he was doing. So I ended up getting like eight of the 10 questions right. Right. So I fleece him for like half a box of cigars because I read this article the night before. And he comes up to me and he's like, oh, well, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I work for Target. And he was thinking I was like, you know, like collecting carriages at Target or something like that. And he just discovered like the will hunting of cigars or something. So he was like, would you ever want a job? And I'm like, yeah, I want a job. And he's like, well, make a resume. Like I didn't already, I was an executive at Target. Uh, and, and he was like, well, make a resume. So I sent him my resume and he goes, I can't afford you right now. And I'm like, no, you cannot. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, well, maybe in a couple of years. And I figured, whatever, I'll, I'll, that's the very nice of you to say, right? Like I'll never hear from you again. And so later on in the, in the evening of that event, he had this box press cigar and I knew Christoph had made a box press cigar because I just read an article about all their cigars. And so he was thanking everybody for coming to the event, coming table to table. And he took the band off, threw it in the ashtray and thanked us for coming to the event. And he walked away. Well, later in the evening, he, gets up and he goes, I'll give anybody five cigars if they know the name of my new line. And I was like, oh, like those are my ashtray, right? <laughs> so I, I grabbed the label out of the ashtray. I read it. It says Galerones, whatever. 
And I raised my hand and said, the gal- I lit the label on fire and destroyed the evidence. And then I was like, <laughs> you know, it's the Gallerone series. And he was like, how did you know that? And I'm like, God, just, you know, savvy to the industry, right? And he was like, I'm the only one in this room that knows this. There's no way. I'm like, I'm telling you, I got my ear to the ground, right? <laughs> so anyway, so I write my name in my, my uh, email on the back of a business card, give it to him. He tells me all that stuff about the job and everything. And uh, he ended up calling me every month and a half, two months, just to kind of keep in touch for almost like two years from the time that we met. And one day he called me and he goes, I think I can finally pay you. I think I can pay you. And I'm like, well, to do what? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, but we're going to work together. And so I was, I had a, a, a successful corporate job. I, I worked, I was an executive for Target in that New England region. And then I went to uh, Bed Bath & Beyond for a concept called Christmas Tree Shops that they have and had a bunch of stores for them. And uh, so I was really had like an up and coming kind of career. And the day he offered me the job, Glenn did, I had gotten promoted and went to the headquarters for Bed Bath & Beyond at Patriot Place in Foxborough. And huh. so I had literally gotten promoted the day he offered me the job. And uh, so now I'm moving all my stuff into a new office in the top level of that store and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I never would be able to look at myself if I didn't try it at least. So I, I quit, I quit my job and I started as Christoph's first sales rep in new England. And then my market paid for another one, which paid for another one. Which paid for another one. Shut up, dogs. And, and they, uh, and, uh, then we were, then we were to scale and he asked me if I wanted to, I hired and trained everybody that worked for us. And then he asked me if I wanted to be national sales manager, and I said yeah. And then he wanted me to uh, be VP of sales and do some more international key account stuff. I said yeah. And then I just, you know, a couple of months ago got promoted to executive vice president. So um, that's kind of the story of the whole thing. I guess. That's a cool story. How I got that is a good story. I like that's that. That's a good story. Yeah, how I got here and how he got. Well, I mean, so. it, it's another. It, it's one of those stories where you know you already had a really nice, successful career. You're already on a path to. You know, you know, keep climbing that corporate ladder, and you were already kind of within that that big box store retailer, you know, industry. And then you you kind of you start you start over again in a sense. You go to the cigar industry, you know, and you, and you go to a new place, and uh, you, you know you, you start from scratch again. You become a sales rep, you work your way back up, and uh, you know, now you're VP of sales. I mean, that's fantastic. Man, that SWAT team is really getting. Yeah, that 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 that, that, that SWAT hard. team is really. Uh, Let me mute. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Why don't? On that note, you know what? I think this is a good segue. So, John, are you ready for a soap review? Yeah, let's do it. I can I can let's, take the computer in it. with me here. Let's go to the let's go to the uh, let's go to the restroom. Let's do this. Oh, back. It's very so, stiff today. So I know Jared's muted, but yeah. in the meantime, while John travels, so so Jared, this is this is your treat. Uh, you get to d- be part of a live soap review uh, right here on the show. Uh, it's a little bit more intimate yeah. than the airport ones that John is normally uh, entangled in on social media. So we need an outside basin. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, today on the soap review, we've got uh, we're going to go. We're going with Doctor Squatch here. Uh, we got the Duke Cannon soaps coming up in the next few weeks here. That towards the end of June, we'll be doing the Duke Cannon soaps. So I know we've been talking about those, but still working through Doctor Squatch, and this is a limited edition product that it just came out with. Um, it's all kind of like space themed. Uh, so this is the Doctor Squatch Mars Bar. 
So let, let me read a little bit here. This is the Galaxy Edition. Uh, men's Natural Soap, Volcanic Ash, and Pumice. Not to be confused with hummus. Pumice. And uh, this is a medium grit. Uh, so some of the ones we've been using recently have been uh, no grit, essentially. Uh, but the pine tar was the heavy grit, uh, the uh, the large grit, I would say. So this is medium grit, five-ounce bar. Uh, it's energetic, explosive, and rugged, just like a Squatch Man should be. Uh, so I guess I'm a Squatch Man. Um, and then here we go. It says on the side, special packaging, smell, uh, smell like cosmic spice. I'm going to tell you, straight up, uh, and, and to be very honest here, this is the strongest Squatch soap I've smelled since the pine tar. It does have a lot of spice to it. Um, it's, it's strong. It's very, very strong. So uh, strong on the, ta- uh, on the taste, on the smell at the far front here. You can tell it kind of looks like, a, like it's from Mars. Uh, we've got some nice uh, gradient in here, uh, some redness, some black. Um, I'm looking forward to this soap. I, I, I've had this now for about three weeks. I've not used it yet. And uh, I'm excited. So here we go. Let's uh, get some nice warm water going here. Not too warm. I do have a regular cloth off the side here. So I like to go medium in terms of the temperature. Uh, so we got some nice warm water going on here. As always, I like to wet the soap a little bit too. Helps with lather. This here, you can scrub in a little bit to get to the grit, but it does have some grit to it. Uh, so that is nice. My watch is congratulating me right now on washing my hands. Strangely, the scent on the soap is stronger then the scent of, uh, of the, the bar itself is stronger than the scent that I'm getting from the actual suds here. I'd say this, the scent on, this, on the soap itself is probably a 10 in terms of strength, 9 slash 10 on strength. And then in the suds, it's about a 4. So a lot of, uh, a lot of scent loss, which I think is nice. I don't really like to wash my hands and then have them smell exactly like what I use is like I don't like aloe vera and hand sanitizers for that reason but here we go nice lather real classic squatch lather um this one's a little bit creamier I really like this so far um let's see how it washes off water's a little hot there you go Ooh, real hot water John I know I'm not allowed to talk during the soap review but I have yeah, a question yeah you need to stop talking right now alright I'll wait what's the question uh I'm just trying to think back. Have you ever had a – now, you, you're a big user of the term lights out when you find something that's just amazing. Have you found a soap yet that is, as John Carney would say, lights out? My favorite so far has been the uh, the pine tar. Um, but would you call it lights out? I don't know. That's where I'm not reviewing the pine tar soap right now. This is a tough one. This is uh, obviously essential oils in this, not a lot of the glycerin. Um, it's not real slimy. I do – I'm not getting a lot of scent left over after. I kind of like the color that the soap is taken on. Uh, the suds itself kind of have a redness to it, uh, which is kind of cool. I really like the design on this. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good soap. I've got my hand dryer. Let me use my hand dryer for a second here. He has a hand dryer. That's, that's interesting. I didn't... Wow, a residential hand dryer. Of course John would have that in his house. Look at that. 
I'm going to say, what did I give? The Pine Tar, I think, was a 7.9. That's been my favorite soap. Uh, I'm going to go with the Mars Bar. This is a 7.89. 7.89 on the Mars Bar. Wow. Um, if this was a heavier grit, this would be in the 8s. Uh, I, I like the scent of it. It's very strong, but then as soon as you apply it uh, to the body, the, the scent diminishes, and as soon as you apply water, the scent's pretty much gone in your hands, so you, you have a really clean um, clean experience from beginning to end. Um, I think that's really how it should be. So, yeah, 7.89 on the Dr. Squatch Mars Bar. Highly recommend it. Limited edition. Um, excellent, excellent soap. 7.89. It's our second highest rated soap so far, so... Big fan of the Mars bar. I'm going to use this tonight um, in the shower and, and get the full body experience. So, John, can I can I just touch on something? So, I know you didn't answer my question, and that's fine. But we you've been doing the soap reviews for a while now. It, it, do you think that maybe 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 not like next week, but it, some, maybe sometime this year, I'd like to maybe see this. Do you think maybe you do a re-review of the pine tar? And just kind of see how, you know, get a fresh take on it. Um, as a, as I, I think that's a good idea, but I just don't think the breadth of, our, of the work is there yet. I don't mm. think – I think there's a lot of soaps that haven't got a fair shake. So going back and revisiting something when there's plenty of soaps that we need to be visiting um, before then is, is, you know, is something I don't want to get into. And, and here's the thing. I'll revisit the pine tar when there's something I think that's better than it. Okay. Um, so that's when we fair. get something that I'm considering that's better, then I'll go back and revisit the pine tar and establish that. But I mean, I've really the pine tar set the bar for me from the scent, the grit. As I said, if this was a higher higher grit, this would be this would be a, an eight an eight four eight five soap. Now, would you be open to reviewing other hygiene products besides soap? Just out of curiosity. Interesting question. Oh, absolutely, 100. percent I mean, personal hygiene has never been more important than now. Um, and in the premium cigar industry, premium hygiene needs to be at the forefront uh, of our industry uh, as we take things and put them in our mouths, out of our mouths, uh, as we universally use each other's cutters. I don't, but uh, people in the stores do. I think hygiene has never been more important, and I'm, I'm here to review what I need to review. Okay. Man of the people, John Carney. Yeah. He is. He really is. This is a damn good soap. I'm going to be honest. This is This is a damn good soap. If it just had a higher grit... It would be in the eights. The smell in it is excellent, and I'm, I just love how it didn't linger. It's everything I want from soap minus the grit that I get from the pine tar. Um, for viewers listening, super quick, if you have any ideas for other hygiene products that John Carney should review, let us know in the comments. And if anybody has a soap. Probably not hair. Probably not hair product. Yeah, that, that would be a waste of time. Um, beard. Beard product. Yeah. Soap. Beard, beard products. How you don't have Toothpaste? a soap sponsor is beyond me, John. I know. It honestly, it does actually blow my mind. And, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to get squashed. I would love them. Um, but uh, it, the pollen, I'm telling you. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised now. It's been over a year and we haven't been approached by anybody about the soaps. So I don't know. Who's if doing this? Cigar, Who's doing yeah, this kind of high quality soap content? Well, I think the reason why is, Jared, you know, one of the questions our friend Jeff Batchelor said here, uh, he's like, let's see some spreadsheets with all the soaps done so far. Is this really no follow-up other than the live video that we have of it? So I really do need to establish something on the Smoking Tobacco website. We talked about that where I have an archive. 
and yeah. pictures and things. So I, I really do need to get working on that. But uh, I, I have my hands full doing a lot of other things. So the, the website with the soap part of it will be somewhere down the list. Uh, Matt also went to grab a product that I think we want you to review. And I think our audience is going to want that as well. <laughs> Just so you know. Okay. I'm a little uncomfortable. You should be. How you, you got to make a soap Instagram. Yes. To chronicle it live. You have to soap whisper with the rating or something like that. Yeah. Under you each have photo. To do it. Yeah. 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 Between the uh, graphic design work I do and making movies and cooking dinners and things, as I said, I, I love soap and I, I wish I could do more with it. And I think if I could, uh, it would be, you know, something that we could take to another level. It's just honestly for the, the for the amount of time I have to devote uh, to the soap review is really just uh, in the confines of the show. So I appreciate all of that. Uh, but for the time being, the, uh, the review good feedback. your life. It's good. And, uh, it's good feedback. and it's very perfect. You could very much, if people would like to, they can go back and watch the shows, the smoke and tobacco shows and, and check out those reviews. You know, they can pass mm. forward. I think that must be the only, the first time that sentence has ever been said. You know, I love the soap and I love what we're doing with it. I just wish we could take it to the next level. <laughs> You know, there's a there's another. Nobody's ever said that before. I don't think all of human history. You know, there's another hygiene product um, that 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 does get used in this house, and you know, and Nicole enjoys it as well. Um, it's kind of a kind of a, a couple's thing when you think about it. Eh, well, I mean, it helps. Um, but that is a uh, this is a really interesting take. I don't know I don't know how well we could actually do this on the show, but it's just for shits and giggles and for ideas, and I'm sure everyone will love this. This is the uh, crop preserver ball deodorant from Manscaped. Which you get out of the shower, everything's clean. You get it all in there, and it keeps it fresh. Especially I think you want to make a paywall dedicated site. That would be the soap yeah, uh, only fans, I believe. Yeah, the smoking tobacco only fans website. That's yeah. where. Uh, yeah. that, that's oh. when. That's when our, our smoking tobacco after dark series will come back. I, I coincidentally have that product. Um, I actually have oh. another product of theirs as well, so I actually do have that. Um, I have used it. It's it's overrated. I'd give it probably – it's probably in the fours. How many, four. how many? Four four balls. Four, yeah. Four, 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 four balls. balls. <laughs> it's entirely a, entirely yeah. there. But, uh, but, yeah, so it's, it's not that great. Yeah, there there you, are better your... products for that, I think. It's a good idea. What about Gold Bond? Just regular – Mm. Nah, that's a grand. That's, that's a I mean, that's not really. I, none of this stuff's like hygiene products. Like, I look at hygiene products for me, or things that actually cleanse me and clean me. Fair. Hand sanitizer you know, like, reviews. Yeah, yeah like I don't people, think powder. People need that. Powder, I guess, is hygiene, but not the way I think. Like of, of the raw nature of hygiene is cleanliness. Dude, what I would love so, to see John do is a toothpaste review. With just, that charcoal just one, just him in there, like you know, the scrubbing powder. away, getting getting all in there, trying to talk through that too. I think that would be hilarious. I actually have, I've actually been working on charcoal toothpaste recently, and I've actually come to. There's been some natural ones. I had the Burt's Bees was very nice, uh, but I've settled on my favorite charcoal toothpaste right now. It's a big company, but it's the Crest. The Crest charcoal is really excellent. very very good. The What's, hand sanitizer, though, I think the people need because. Everybody's making their own hand sanitizer. It's like the wild west in the world of hand sanitizers right now. Oh, it is. And they feel and they feel gross. Okay, if you're a restaurant and you want to make your own hand sanitizer, it feels bad. 
Okay, I don't like the texture. There's a texture that hand sanitizer is supposed to be, and it's what Purell feels like, and that's what you need to do. I don't like, like these new hand sanitizers in every restaurant I'm expected to use. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like a lot of a lot of like <laughs> just, I don't like the I don't like the feeling. A lot of liquor. Some awful vis- hand sanitizers. All viscosity. the liquor. The viscosity the, is wrong. All the liquor companies were coming out with them last year during the pandemic. So like. You saw like, like who's who 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 did one like, like I think Buffalo Trace made one. I Everyone. think Jack Daniels made one. And like, oh well, we're gonna make a a sanitizer now. And I'm like, okay. It feels bad. It feels <laughs> yeah. bad, guys. It was great service they were providing to their customers and to everybody in the world that needed it when there was a shortage. Uh, hand sanitizer kind of just supposed to feel one way. I don't like the viscosity on some of these newfangled ones. I'm sorry. It's well, not the same a, thing I say with like the soaps, Jared. It's like I don't want it to linger after. And some of those hand sanitizers, it's like there's a layer on your hands, and it's it's just sometimes my much. hands feel more dirty than they did before, and I'm just like, or wet. Now I just would rather just go wash my hands and be done with it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Nothing replaces hand washing. No, nothing. Nothing replaces it. a nice hot shower either. You get out, you feel all clean. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's gold right there. Anyway, <laughs> how do we get here? <laughs> John, this is your fault. As usual. I think we need to segue to something more manly. Uh, I think we do. I think we're going to hit our sports segment brought to you by Nova Cigars. Nova Cigar, hashtag make Nova big. If you head over to NovaCigars.com, you can use our discount code SMKTAB15 to save 15% off your order on NovaCigar.com. So this is going to be a fun one. Jared, New England guy. Uh, I, I, yeah. already, I think I already know which way this is going to go. Let's see. Where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? I know there's a little bit of basketball drama that I'm, John will probably want to touch <laughs> upon, but I want to hit hockey first. Jared, do you follow hockey at all? I do, yeah. Are you a Bruins guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I, I didn't like the way that Bruins game ended. It was like there was a good comeback. They were down 3-1. Um, you know, Marshan pops in the uh, the tying goal there, and then we go to overtime and on a breakaway, we lose that game in overtime, and I was was not happy about that. We had to that win. second period was probably the worst period of hockey ever. Yeah, uh, for the Bruins at least. I mean, there were a lot of opportunities in in overtime that could have ended it, but the Islanders had a lot of opportunities to never even get it to overtime. In yeah. the first place in the third period, so it was tough. But I think this is a well-fought series, and it's great hockey. So it is good um, hockey. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm the only thing I'm bummed about is that the Canadians beat the Leafs because uh, I play in the Leafs in the not to talk too soon, but playing the Leafs in that divisional round is like, I mean, there's absolutely nothing better. There's not in the conference round. There's nothing better. We always beat the Maple Leafs in a catastrophic fashion for them. It's like a walk. So the fact that they lost is uh bumming me out, but and also, and I got I, buddies in Toronto that I like to make fun of. So also, I just, I it's, don't want to see the Habs win at all. I mean, I, I, I don't like that. I don't want to see the Habs win anything. Yeah. I, I don't want to see the Habs win. anything. So, but you know, yeah. the, uh, the streak continues for Toronto. <laughs> Isn't there a scenario where it could be Bruins Habs in the Stanley cup final right now? Well, no. I don't know. No, I don't. I was having no, a discussion so. with no, somebody that to... today. No, I think there might be a uh, 
it might be a way that they would play each other in the finals. No, I don't think I don't think it. Would I don't think it's possible. Way. It would be the Eastern Conference because Finals, the, and then they would. Yeah, I know that you had, but you got to remember they had realignments of these conferences this last year, so they're all playing oh. in different conferences. So I'm going to pull this up. I think they're. I was having a discussion with someone today, and um, yes, so the Habs are playing are playing the Winnipeg Jets right now, okay, in the Western Conference, and you have the Avalanche playing the Golden Knights. So that's on the left. And on the right-hand side, let me pull this up so you guys see this. There's, there's actually, if the Bruins, there's a, there's a concept. Oh, Bruins yeah, I just found the article. Could actually be in the Stanley Cup playoffs against each other, which would be incredible. Hmm. That and it would, would be interesting. They don't have this realignment just for the year. Um, and it would have been really interesting because you had all these different teams playing different people. Um, so you, we could have a Habs, uh, a Habs Bruins final yeah if the canadians win out and the bruins win out then yeah that's weird i'm reading the article right now on cbs boston there is a scenario where they could where that could happen that's wild yeah, yeah. i guess he's right yeah that would be interesting and you know what i forgot about the realignment yeah that would be an interesting stanley cup final I just hope that if, if it does get to that point, we, we, we definitely can't lose to the Habs in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, that would just be horrible. It would be it would be terrible. Plus, I'd rather lose before, but not I, not yeah. anything against our friends north of the border. But I mean, the cup hasn't been north of the border in what is it twenty six years now? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Canadians haven't. No Canadian team has held that cup since what is it like ninety. Or like maybe like 95 or something like that. It's been a long time. Uh, only American teams have had it uh, in that in that time. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd hate the Bruins to be the ones to, to hand it back to Canada. Uh, that would that would suck. So there would be a lot of pressure on that one. Um, but there is a. Uh, Jeff Dillingham, Carney, you won't have to worry about that. Islanders in five. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, He's rooting hard. Once again, boys, once again, uh, us Boston people are being threatened by the obnoxious New Yorkers. You know, it, we see it with the Yankees. Who it's just it. pissing into the wind at this point. They're just old men shouting at the sky. It yeah. doesn't matter. They're like the old matter. guy from The Simpsons yelling at the clouds, you know? Yeah. It's New York sports teams haven't been great in a long time. I mean, look at the Yankees. What 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 used to be, you know? They got a World Series title in '09. And nah, that's what they live on, though. It's just you know, it's just old old gas in the tank. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So this week just we same. found out. I don't really follow sports, but I found out a water bottle is an assault weapon. <laughs> I was segueing into that oh, whole sorry. situation. Yeah, I don't. It. Here's the thing. I don't condone. I don't condone the throwing of things at human beings that are performing a sporting event. Um, so I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not ever going to defend that. I think it's crazy. I think some of it's funny sometimes. Like I thought when uh, Philadelphia was throwing, you know, Pop, popcorn decades ago was yeah, popcorn and things, but Philadelphia was throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and things like that. It's always funny, but I mean, but hey, Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, didn't really do anything to not antagonize something to happen. Um, you know, he stomped on the logo in the middle of the court like a jerk. Um, he's you know, so I don't soft. Think he's a bad, 
Yeah, oh. I don't think he's a bad human he's being, but there's, there's just... a way to handle things, and there's also a way for that other person to handle things. But nothing that that person, you know, nothing that he did deserve to have a water bottle thrown at him. I mean, that's a little bit uh, ridiculous. But you know, it was it was a little bit shocking. I think they went. I think they made a per point out of this person. Uh, you know, it made a, an example of him because it's like, stop, or we're going to prosecute you. Um, you know, you can't be throwing a water bottle, and the guy's the kid that threw it's an idiot. He's not a representation of all of Boston. Uh, the people that say things that are rude, racist, or whatever it, it is, those aren't a representation uh, of us as society, in my opinion. I think the majority of the society, uh, you know, there was 17,000 people at the game, only one person threw a water bottle. Um, so there were 17,000, you know, 16,999 people who didn't throw a water bottle. Uh, so we can't say that person's a representation of Boston. Uh, you know, the guy was just an asshole. But, you know, Kyrie yeah. antagonizing. You know, he was doing things to, to prove a point, and Boston never treated him poorly. He decided to leave. Yeah. I just think there's such, like, a disconnect between somebody that, you know, makes all these public statements, comes out, stomps on the logo, which is also super soft for people to be like, oh, he stomped on the logo. Like, to get triggered by that is wild. But, like, for him to do... For, for him to do that and then for him to come out and say I was hit by an assault water bottle <laughs> is just so soft. It's the dude's applesauce. He just is. He was he was when he was here. He is now. It's just whatever. He had no he shouldn't have gotten hit. These guys have an expectation of their safety and everything like that. And when they come into the arena and it's just common sense. But I mean, he's just soft. And for the record, he was not actually hit with a water bottle. Um, it did not hit him, um, so there was no injury with that. Um, so they're just making an example. Is again, if you're going to go to a sporting event, don't throw things. Uh, you know, just use your head. And if you're going to, you're not going to be able to go to that sporting event anymore. Maybe that person doesn't care. He got to be famous and have some fun. You know, nobody was hurt, but don't throw things at sporting events. Grow up. Well, they're yeah. making an example of him. I think they're going to um, kick him out of college and some other stuff. Yeah. Hey, fine. Yeah. You know, and I just love how all of a sudden it was like that was a solidifying of the culture of Boston. Uh, only in Boston. Uh, I've seen that stuff happen in every city from every crease, ra uh, creed, race, everything. I mean, I watch stupid people do stupid things. So let's make this what it is. That guy's stupid. He did something stupid. That's not a representation of anything except stupid people. It's really yeah. that simple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it was well said. Um, I agree with Jared said. I think I think Kyrie is soft. Um, I think that you know, in the in the state of the NBA, it's one of the th one of the reasons why I, it's 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 it becomes harder and harder for me to follow the NBA uh, every year. It's just the players, and he's not the only one. Uh, there's a lot of players out there who just they they don't just play the fucking game. That's my problem. You know, it's like play, play the game. Will you? You know, it's all this off-court drama, and you know, and, and Kyrie's known for it. You know, LeBron, LeBron's had his share with it too. I, I'm not a LeBron guy at all. I know John will probably partially disagree with me there, but I, you know, it's like it's become too obnoxious. I mean, I, one one thing I do love about hockey is you know, those guys they show up, they play hard, they play with broken ankles and broken arms, and you know, they go out there and then they get off the ice and they they talk about the you know the game that they played, and and that's that. They you shut know? up and play hockey. Yeah, they, they just hockey. shut up and play and hockey. I'm not trying, yeah, and I'm not trying to, to shut people's, you know, you know, shut off people's, uh, you know, these celebrities have a, have a place to stand, you know, and get their, their voices heard. But, you know, I've always said this with LeBron James. LeBron James doesn't need to do that during the basketball game. 
No. Like if LeBron James wants to talk about something socially, you know, an opinion or a view on something, he has that platform and he doesn't need to do it during the basketball game. You know, like we don't have to have that discussion during the game or after, like immediately after. Like let's talk about the game and then use your celebrity to work towards whatever agenda you have or whatever you feel is right. Um, but to have it be during the games is just too much. And you're 100% right. Hockey hockey's fantastic. And, and that's it's one of the things that... Watch the game and it's over. You enjoy it. It's an escape from reality and fantastic. And that's one of the things that's made, you know, Bill Belichick so great, you know, as a coach, you know. He, he's one of those people, you go into a press conference, they, they ask him something other than football, and, and he gives you the attitude back. And it, and it, for us, it's funny. Um, but at the same time, it's it's his way of being like, I don't play that game. You know, ask me questions about football, and that's that. You know, don't ask me about, hey, what do you think about Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay? I, I don't care. We're, I'm here to talk about my team and what we're doing next week, you know. Um that's the way it should be. You know, even Jordan, when Jordan would get interviewed after games, you know, he, he wanted to talk about the game, and that was it. He didn't want people asking about his personal life. He didn't want to, oh, what's your opinion on this and that? He he didn't play that way, you know. Uh, there's been a lot of comparisons to, like, you know, Jordan and, and Kobe to the current generation of NBA players, and it's a very, very stark star contrast of – you know. Yeah, those guys used to lie about having injuries so that they could play. Yeah. Right. LeBron is lying about injuries that he doesn't actually have so he can't play. Exactly. I mean, that's just the difference in mentality, you know, between these generations. So, I don't know. LeBron James does everything he can to make people not like him, in spite of the fact that he's, like, eminently a likable guy. Like, he's very good at he's very good at the sport. He doesn't do grimy, shitty stuff off the court. He does a lot for his community empirically he's a pretty good guy he just it's him as a person that bothers people and that's much more difficult to to break from you know it's just his personality is so bad that it just i feel know, like with with with, with lebron he's trying too hard to be you know better than jordan and it's like dude just go out there and just prepare play train the best and play basketball. And if you work hard enough, maybe you'll be better than Jordan. But don't go out there with the, at the attitude like, well, I'm trying to be better than Jordan. It's like, well, Just you know, be about it. Just be yeah. about it. You know? Yeah. Like, don't don't live so, by a narrative. That's been my, my stance on that situation. But other than that, you know, so, um, oh, go ahead, John. Yeah, so I was going to say, so Jared, moving on from sports here as we as we slowly get to the end – uh, what's next on the horizon for Christoph? What's up this summer? What's the next six months look like uh, for you and Christoph? I, you know, I know you mentioned your new position. Um, I didn't see that on any of uh, any press releases or social media uh, stories on that, so I, I don't know if it's official. But uh, it, we, it is. But, it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> will you guys and will you guys be it going to PCA? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Of course, we'll be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, what's the next six months look like? So uh, for, for us, you know, and you, you guys are going through the same thing. A lot of manufacturers I'm sure you've talked to, uh, to are going through the same thing. Um, the quarantine situation in the Dominican Republic has really uh, affected our ability to do business. Plus, it's not like other countries where they put in a quarantine with capacity restrictions. Um, but in the Dominican Republic, they also put in a curfew. So you, 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 can't, you can't go to shift work. You can't do... Uh, stuff to kind of mitigate the damage that that has so um as 
that has set us back uh, in terms of our ability to maintain our production schedule correctly. So, uh, but we've been doing a good job navigating it. You know, like your beloved Lanceros, Matt, if I see those on a shipping manifest, I'll send them back in the cargo container back to the port in Dominican Republic. I, I want to see Robusto Toro 6x60, the stuff that people are really consuming independently of the uh, independently of the inventory pars we have set and stuff. So we've done what we can to mitigate that production drop-off. Um, another thing that we did was we set our ratio for brick-and-mortar retailers so only 9% of our back orders can be from brick-and-mortar retailers. 91% uh, of our back orders end up being for key accounts, catalogs, things like that. So that's planned volume. They can, they'll continue to do business without those inventory turns. Uh, but, but, you know, our, some brick and mortar retailers, if it's a skew that really moves for them, they really rely on those and we miss it and they miss it. So we've tried to do that to protect the brick and mortar retailers as well. Um, so in that kind of context, John, to, to your point, um, the next six months, I, I just don't think it, it, it's timely for us to release a new product. You know what I mean? Like, if I can't send you the product you've already ordered and you've already asked for, why would I tell you, oh, by the way, I've got five new SKUs at the trade show that I'm doing five line extensions or something like that, or even one. If I, it, why would I dedicate production resources to making something new if I, if I could better use those resources to fill orders the customers have already placed? So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, we're not going to do a new release at the show. We did the TAA box press. Uh, this year as the TAA exclusive that we did, which has been doing really well. Um, but I'm going to use the bandwidth that we have in our production schedule, um, which there is none, by the way, but, but what, what we would have otherwise allocated to a new product, uh, we're going to use it to catch up and continue to keep this momentum moving. We've had a phenomenal year. Our reps are all doing well. Everybody's well-placed. Everybody's happy. So I'm, I'm really happy with the way things are going. We're going to try to maintain that through the, six, the next six months. Plus, with PCA coming up... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way, John. It's it's important. Uh, this is the trade association's only source of revenue, you know. And so I think it's important that everybody kind of steps up to the plate and does what they can do. And so we've stepped up with, uh, we've done some e-blast newsletters. We've done legislative sessions with them. Uh, we've done... Um, banner ads, all the stuff. Plus, we're maintaining the size of our booth this year. Uh, so we're trying to step up a little bit to kind of fill the gap that was left when uh, some of the bigger companies ended up stepping away. So uh, we're, we're trying to do our part, and we're optimistic about the trade show. And, and, and it's, you know, what a lot of people under, don't understand is, you know, this FDA stuff kind of goes away. Uh, we win a legislative victory, but it's not going to, if anybody thinks it's going to get better on the legislative front, they're outside their minds. It's, it's going to continue to escalate. They're going to continue pressing, and it's not going to get better. So we, we need the industry support behind us uh, as strongly as ever. And this is the time they have to rebuild those war, war chests, you know, spending $3 million or more on a lawsuit over the course of the last few years. Um, that takes its toll. So this is the PCA's opportunity to rebuild those war chests and, and start gearing up for the next fight. Um, so uh, I think it's our prerogative to be in the same way that they, they've got to represent the brick-and-mortar retailers, uh, we've got to do our best to step up for them since they're representing us, too. So, yeah. So, next six months, no new product. Try to catch up, do the right thing by our customers, and uh, hopefully get out on the other side of this, and we can do some cool stuff. We've got plenty of time to smoke samples. So, 
uh, hopefully we can do some cool stuff for next year. I think that's incredibly well said. Um, well, thank you, Matt. I no, I I like you know I like you know how you you put it into those words of like, you know, why would you come out with something new when you can't even supply what you already have? Um, you know, and I know in a, in a serious note, you know, not it, sometimes I use it as a joke with John, but on a serious note, you know, I know John's faced with the same issue, you know, with his company. Uh, it's. It's something that, you know, I know that he works through with you know, a lot of back orders. You know, a lot of people in the industry, you know, they know, you know, John has issues with back orders and, you know, trying to supply product. And so why do they do you like this, John? Why do you, what, what happened? I mean, I deal, I deal with the, it all day. The soap. I deal with it on the show. On your leisure my, time, people are reminding you you're back ordered. Your it's yeah, it's a 24-hour <laughs> beatdown. 24-hour beatdown, man. There's just no escaping. I'm going to text you before I go to bed tonight asking about your backboard. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, again, I, and I, John, I said that, you know, a serious note, like not, you know, it, it's a reality. I know, of, I know. Of, I'm of not the... messing with you. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is something that, you know, we, you know, we've seen happen and, and I've talked to John about it. And that's one of the things that we do, you know, love having John on the show for is it, it's having someone who's, who's in his position, you know, with us to give that firsthand experience of, you know, well, this is what I deal with, and you know, this is how we, you know, come overcome those issues, and this is how we work with retailers and and all of that stuff to to meet demands and work with delays and stuff like that. And so, you know, it, it's always interesting to have someone else, you know, such as yourself or anyone else from any other manufacturer come on and and have that conversation. And you know, a lot of people are in that boat right now. And you know, we we saw, you know, last year a little bit of a, you know, at least you know with the retailers in our area, I've had some conversations with people saying like. We, we've done the best business we've done in, in like 30 years. Uh, so there was a there was a, a decline in production because of the pandemic. But it, uh, on the flip side, you know, a lot more buying was happening on the consumer level. So there's more demand, less production. Uh, it, it just makes it even tougher. And, you know, it's it's tough to work through. So, you know, and you know, my point being, you know, I, I, I've had those conversations with John and, and it's not easy, but that's that's part of, you know, what uh, makes your your job so special is, you know, you guys. You guys have to find a way to, to strategize with that. So, uh, well, my favorite quote here's the thing: you don't get back orders unless you're selling the things you have. Exactly. Uh, so it's nobody's in a back order situation or a, or a situation of product because they're not making product. The demand's just exponentially higher than what the production schedules are allowing. Um, and then as it increases, the demand's still exponentially higher. So hey, these, you know, you, you don't get a back order on something unless one, you're going out of business, you don't have products, you can't make it. And in this case, in the cigar industry, it's thriving right now. And these these are coming because the demand's high. And, you know, I've congratulated and thanked the consumer. Thank you. You've outsmoked the ability of the cigar industry to keep up with your favorite sizes and shapes and blends. So yes. I said congratulations to you guys. And thank you so much. But uh, it really has been driven by the consumers. And, John, you, know, you make a good point. I mean, um, when you look at it, you know, a certain way, the fact that, you know, even in your position, you know, you guys, you know, obviously there's a there's – a, there's a, a strong demand for your product and and you know people are asking you for certain SKUs and stuff you're like I just I don't have it yet whatever but people want it people are smoking it, people are buying it you'd rather have that than people being like oh well yeah I don't want any of that and you, you have plenty of product on hand because no one's buying it so on the positive side of it you know people are buying the product people love the product people want the product um, you know so I mean that's the best way you can look at it really um, you just do your best to to get as much out as you can um but jerry yeah. hey th thanks for coming on the show and you know we really appreciate you coming on it was a great time um we've had a lot of fun 
I hope you enjoyed the soap review. That's always a highlight. I hope you had a good time with us, and uh, hopefully you come back yeah, on in the future. That was it for me. I would love to. I would love to. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so before we do go, anyone have any closing uh, statements they want to make? I know Jared kind of already touched on kind of you know what what what's to come, um, you know, for them and at Christoph in the next few months. But Jared, anything else you want to say before we close up? No, just keep supporting the brand. We appreciate the business very much. We appreciate the the platform that um, Matt, Nicole, John, you guys have given us uh, to to be able to talk about this on social media channels. And as we were talking about earlier, it's going to get more and more important that that content improves. And so uh, I I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you, you know, stepping in and trying to do something in an industry that's kind of seen the same faces for a really long time. So um, really. Thanks to you guys. Thank you to all the consumers that support the product and everyone watching. And just keep coming back. Keep coming back to these channels and channels like it for, for information because we're excited to be part of it. Awesome. Absolutely. John I, John just texted me. I know he, his computer battery is running out. Uh, so, John, really quickly, anything you want to say? So, yeah. No, I've got uh, – we've got the next episode of Hacking Gourmet on Monday, June 7th. Uh, that will be live from Maine. Uh, so we've got that going on, and we just started uh, putting out the information on the June 23rd gourmet smoke session, and then also we'll be doing on July 4th. We'll be announcing in the next within the next week our July 4th uh, gourmet smoke session extravaganza and fireworks show. So we'll be doing a cigar huh. uh, cigar paired with dinner and cigar paired with a fireworks show. So all that will be coming up. Uh, but next episode on Monday, June 7th. You didn't have to do all that for Nicole's birthday. I know, right? America, the man of the people. Man I know. People. I, he, I was he, born he, on the 4th of July. I was a firework. I know. Man. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you for watching. Uh, Jerry, thanks for being with us. John, as always, thank you for being with us. Uh, and we will see you all next week. See ya. <laughs>